Welcome back to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast. I am your host, Kevin Murphy. Today, on January 21st, we are having a special anniversary edition of the Cardinal Newman Society podcast. Now, if any of you have been following us, we haven't been out long enough to have an anniversary, but there is an anniversary that we are celebrating today, and that is the anniversary of a letter written by Pope Benedict on January 21st of 2008. So this document is 16 years old, written by Pope Benedict the 16th. This document is a powerful document. One of the things that most people don't take the time to go to the Vatican website and download documents. It just doesn't happen for a lay person very often. Now, if you're in theology or philosophy, you may be assigned to do that, or you may go and do that on your own because you're interested in the Vatican's stance and what they're saying and how they're, what they're publishing. But most people in lay circles don't go in and read the documents from the Vatican, and I think that's a bit of a shame. But also, I want to share this particular document, and I want it to make it accessible to everybody because... As I'm speaking to you, there's only, this is an, a document that only is four pages long, maximum, if you print it out. Actually, in the fourth page is only like a quarter page, so it's about three pages. This is a letter from His Holiness, Pope Benedict XVI, to the faithful of the diocese and city of Rome on, quote, the urgent task of educating young people, end quote. Now, in this document, it is loaded with powerful information, powerful guidance on what Catholic education is doing, where it's going, the obstacles that are being presented to it on a daily basis. I want you to consider this. This document was written 16 years ago, and at that time, Pope Benedict XVI labeled this the urgent task of educating young people. Now, what has happened in our world in the last 16 years? We're going to talk about this with our president and founder, Patrick Riley. So I want to welcome our founder and president, Patrick Riley, to the program. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's great. Great day to be with you. So January 21st, 2024 is the 16-year anniversary of the document written by Pope Benedict XVI on the urgent task of educating young people. What I want to do, Patrick, is I want to take this letter piece by piece, and I want to get your thoughts on it. As an educator who's been in Catholic education and almost, I think, every aspect and continues to run himself ragged <laughs> through Catholic education in teaching and in trying to get others to adhere to faithful Catholic education. And you've been doing that now for 30 years with the Cardinal Newman Society. So with all of that experience, I want to get your thoughts on Pope Benedict XVI's letter. What I'm going to do, Patrick, is I'm going to just read some of this because, again, I said at the intro, there's a lot of people that it's just not a common practice to go to the Vatican website and download a document. But this is one of the documents I think is accessible to almost anybody. If you're a parent, 
could be a student. You know, you could go in there and read this document and see what Pope Benedict is saying about Catholic education. So let's just start off. Dear faithful of Rome, and by the way, this letter is from Pope Benedict to the faithful of the diocese and the city of Rome. But obviously, I think as you'll see throughout this document, when he speaks about them, he's speaking about us, right? That's right. And and even before you get into the letter, I think that that context is very, very important, right? I mean, this is the Pope, but he's not writing a letter to the bishops as in a typical encyclical. He's not writing a letter to the church as a whole. He's working within his role as a bishop, as a pastor of his diocese of Rome. And sometimes we forget that the, the Pope is the Bishop of Rome. He has his own diocese. And so it, it takes on a wonderful pastoral tone directed at the, the spiritual development of the people under his direct care. And even though it's not a letter written directly to the rest of the world, it has just great relevance for all of us as the faithful of the church. And in many ways, I do think that even though it's not written to the bishops, here he's modeling how a bishop should be understanding education, how a bishop should be tending to their flock and focusing on the great importance of Catholic education. And I think that that witness is so important to many bishops who perhaps are distracted and, and not so focused on Catholic education. Here, Pope Benedict is modeling the fact that Catholic education is so very, very important to the church. And the overall message from this, and we'll get into it, is, you know, he starts off like a lot of times in the scriptures, they'll do this in the Psalms, they'll start off with kind of the the woe part, and then they'll finish with the hope part, mm -hmm. right? The, the fact is that all these things are happening, but there's hope. And that's what I think Pope Benedict does here. So I think it's a it, it's done for us to remind us that through all the things that are going on in Catholic education, there is hope. And we ultimately have a hope in Christ. So, dear faithful of Rome, I thought of addressing this letter to you in order to speak to you about a problem of which you yourselves are aware and to which the various members of our church are applying themselves, the problem of education. We all have at heart the good of the people we love, especially our children, adolescents, and young people. Indeed, we know that it is on them that the future of our city depends. Therefore, it is impossible not to be concerned about the formation of new generations, about their ability to give their lives direction and to discern good from evil, and about their health, not only physical, but also moral. Now, that's the opening paragraph. And the thing that I think is interesting is right off the bat, the problem of education. Why is education a problem? Well, yes, and, and the way he talks about the problem and, and defines the problem, right? He's not, in, in today's world, especially in the United States, if someone talks about Catholic education and we ask them to talk about the crisis of Catholic education, they would be talking about the schools that are closing, the two-thirds drop in enrollment since 1970, the difficulties of Catholic schools hiring you know, qualified teachers who are serious about teaching the faith. There are all these different aspects of Catholic schools, particularly parochial schools, that have been such a part of the history in the United States. He doesn't say any of that, and it's not even clear he's talking about schools, right? He's talking about education in the human sense 
of of making certain that our young people are formed in culture, are formed in reason, and in particular are formed in faith, formed in morality, virtue. And schools are a means of doing that. But he's talking about the bigger picture, and he's saying that not only is there a crisis in keeping our schools open, there is a crisis of education. There is a crisis of the formation of young people today that goes beyond the institutions themselves. It's a, it's a much bigger crisis. That is exactly right, Patrick. So let's, let's keep going. That is exactly what I think Pope Benedict leads into. Educating, however, has never been an easy task and today seems to be becoming even more difficult. Parents, teachers, priests, and everyone who has direct educational responsibilities are well aware of this. Hence, there is a talk of a great, and this phrase I love, educational emergency. Confirmed by the failures we encounter all too often in our efforts to form sound people who can cooperate with others and give their own lives meaning. Thus, it is natural to think of laying the blame on the new generations as though children born today were different from those born in the past. There is also talk of a generation gap, which certainly exists and is making itself felt, but is the effect rather than the cause of the failure to transmit certainties and values. Now, let's back up to this phrase, educational emergency. As we look at what's happened since this document was written. This is why I find fascinating. This was written 16 years ago, right? Think about what's happened or, or transpired in our culture, not just in the United States, but throughout the world, to where things have come into question. Your identity, the idea of choosing your gender, all of the issues that suddenly a few years ago weren't even there. They weren't here when he wrote it. But it seems to be even more present today than, edu than ever before. So educational emergency, if it was so 16 years ago, I just don't know what you categorize it as today. Yes. You, know, you think this was 2008, right? This was right when the iPhone was being introduced. I mean, literally, he, he, he did, when he's talking about generational issues, he's not even talking about the iPhone yet because it hadn't yet become sort of the, the crisis that yeah. parents have today of all the the time and the screen time that we have, not just on computers, but now on, on our phones. So much has come since then, and yet he already sees this great educational emergency, which of course was certainly happening if we're talking about the larger sense of passing on culture. Western culture was certainly under grave threat already in 2008. And then certainly in terms of passing on faith, morality, understanding of you know, just basic catechesis, let alone, you know, full spiritual development. All of this was, was a serious crisis and has been for, for many decades. That's and, why I think he said the generation gap. There's always been a right. generation gap, right? I mean, I, I, when I first hear that term, you know what I think of? The 60s. Right. I mean, that's when everybody's, ah, oh, you know, I mean, I, I, I kid Chris, our young producer here, when I say parents were square, Right, that was the term at the time. Now I don't even know what they, what the term would be today. Chris will have to inform us of that. <laughs> but I mean, the idea is that you had this generation gap. You just don't understand, right? You right. the parents don't understand the kids. Kids don't understand. However, it is, and he's pointing that out. But he's saying that's not that's that's just the effect of that, right? That's right. That's right. And and 
you know, today, I guess I, you talk about parents being present, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, they, you know, we have a, a, a serious problem of, of not even just bad parenting, but, but absent parenting. And, and I love that when he, when he talks, he's talking to all segments of the church, but he starts with the parents. He says, parents, teachers, priests. And so again, if we think purely of the school, we think of those administrators and those teachers who are directly responsible for what happens during the day and they have the job of education. But he recognizes and acknowledges in just in that statement that the parents are first and are the first educators and are, are those who should be most concerned with education. And so this educational emergency comes right into the home. It's not just a school problem. It is a cultural problem. It's a family problem. And it begins in the home. Patrick, I'm going to ask you a question on the next sentence, because I think this is, I think this is kind of the, the, the million dollar question, so to speak. He says, he goes on, must we therefore blame today's adults for no longer being able to educate? And, and let's face it, there is discussion about that, right? Like we just, people are given, people are just, they can't, they're given up. And this mm-hmm. is what he says. There is certainly a strong temptation among both parents and teachers, as well as educators in general to give up since they run the risk of not even understanding what their role or rather the mission entrusted to them is. Now I wrote out to the side here, what is their mission? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's the the key question, right? When, and you got to ask it from a perspective of not just the parent, mm-hmm. but the teacher. Not just the teacher, but the priest or the bishop. And not just them, but then the student, right? I mean, the student doesn't, the student doesn't remove themselves from all this as, oh, it's all being inflicted upon the student, and the student just sits back. Student, especially as they grow, takes on a role and a mission as well, right? That's right. My favorite part of our saint St. John Henry Newman is his phrase, some definite service. Mm-hmm. And I brought this just uh, in, in anticipation of this. Not that I had it handy. I just brought it. God knows me and calls me by name. God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me, which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. And it goes on. Somehow, I am necessary for his purposes. I have a part in this great work. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. That's right. To me, that that powerful poem, meditation from John Henry Newman is something that I wish every young person out there would read. Because... Patrick, I've been on college campuses, and I know there's a number of things that happen on the college. And this is college level. Kids arrive at college, and they immediately say, what's your major? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like all lights are on them, right? You got to decide, and you got to decide now. And they say, I, I don't know, right? So the number one major on campus is undeclared, undetermined, right? And then the next most popular major on campus is usually the broadest major you can have business administration or something like that to where that's where a lot of people, because they don't know because they don't really know what their mission is. They don't really know what God has given them to do. And I don't even know they think about it like that. So this, this notion of I have my mission 
I think is something that they should wrestle with right away before they think about what's my major. Yes. And, and there are a number of layers there in, in what he's, so he's saying that educators, adults today are uncertain about what they're supposed to do. Why? Because they're uncertain of their mission, which is what they're supposed to do. It, it almost sounds a bit contradictory. The reason why they don't know what to do is they don't know what they're supposed to do. And this is coming after decades of the church issuing document after document after document, explaining to Catholic educators what Catholic education is, what its purpose is, how it should be done, exploring all of the different issues there. The church has provided a lot of guidance on Catholic education. Now, we've, we did a, a survey just a few years ago that was, was internal, and we talked to a number of leaders in Catholic education. And one of the things we asked them was their familiarity with a number of these documents that the church had issued. And it was very low. These were people who are directly responsible for the Catholic education in their diocese, and they simply didn't know what the church was saying about it. So that's that's very important. But there's a, even another layer there, and that is if we go back to that that wonderful meditation by by Newman, it's interesting how he he says he's very definite. I have a mission. I know that God has a purpose in my life, and then later he says I may never know it in this life. Right. I may never know what that mission is. And so knowing your mission, knowing the particular direction that your life should go and every step that you should take, that that is something that we we leave to God and we we trust in God and we take it step by step and we do it through prayer. It's the bigger issue of understanding that we have we do have a mission. We have a calling from God. And that alone is what's so fundamental, and it's what's so fundamental in education. So what what is the mission of education? The mission of education is forming young people, forming people, adults as well, as humans, and helping them to find their way to God. We are called to communion with God, and to give their life to God, and to listen to God, and to see God in the things that he's created, to develop, cultivate their reasoning so that they can better rationally understand what it is they're supposed to do through their life. God gave us reason to help guide us through our lives and gave us natural law to help guide us. And so we have all of these gifts. And so education cultivates these gifts, but, but in a broad sense, right, it's Catholic education is understanding that that's what's fundamentally important. That's what young people fundamentally need. And so much of education today, I think, has become so technical, so focused on, you know, do we do we approach math this way, or do we use these manipulatives like the Japanese do, or do we, you know, do we have a standards based mm-hmm. education, or do you know? That's the understanding of of expertise in education. While the big picture has been lost, the big picture of what is it that we're all about? What is it that we're here to do? We're here to form these young people for Christ. See, and I hear a lot more discussion in Catholic education about the methodology than about that, which is what you just said, which again, the idea of a Catholic education, as we outline it in our principles, is that Christ should imbue every subject. And so, and you have a Catholic worldview. If you have those things, then all of the, the, the different methodologies can be debated forever. Right. 
But I, it just seems like the debate and it just stays there and it continues to always be going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth without the idea of the ultimate mission of, of, you know, introducing evangelizing, you know, the idea of, of in the catechism is, is first and foremost to generate and then to teach, right? Right. You have to generate new creatures in Christ and then you have to teach them. And, and so we can talk about methodology all day long, but I mean, that's, that is the crux, I think, of Catholic education, that when you start taking that out, then Catholic education becomes neutered. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment and rejoin our conversation with the founder and president of the Cardinal Newman Society, Patrick Riley. At the Cardinal Newman Society, we take great pride in providing tools for renewal. Those things that can help you reinvigorate your Catholic school, bring it back in line to fulfill its mission. And we offer these tools free of charge. Simply go to cardinalnewmansociety.org and click on Educator Resources. Or if you'd like, click on the Newman Guide. If you look down under Educator Resources, there is our magazine, our Catholic Mission magazine, which if you haven't, you will get a free subscription. Go in there, give us your information, and we'll send it to you free of charge. And I'm, I'm even thinking about, okay, so this was 2008. I'm trying to remember exactly when the whole standards movement developed, uh, when Bill Gates got involved with the Common Core in the United States, and then that was developed for public education, for secular education, and then all of these Catholic schools and dioceses embraced it because that's what the states were doing. And, and we fell into this trap of being so, so focused on you know, particulars and technical aspects of education without being aware of the bigger educational emergency that Pope Benedict is talking about. And that is a fundamental misunderstanding of the human person and what it is that we're, that we're driving toward. That is exactly as he goes on. In fact, it is not only the personal responsibility of adults or young people, which nonetheless exist and must not be concealed, that are called into question but also a widespread atmosphere, a mindset and form of culture, which induce one to have doubt about the value of the human person, about the very meaning of truth and good, and ultimately about the goodness of life. It then becomes difficult to pass on from one generation to the next, something that is valid and certain rules of conduct, credible objectives around which to build life itself. That's right. Dear brothers and sisters of Rome, at this point, I would like to say some very simple words to you. Do not be afraid. Now, Pope Benedict carried on with many of the things that, that Pope John Paul II started, yes. right? Those are the words from Pope John Paul II that he used in launching his pontificate. And, and I look at that, and when I see that, that's almost like one of those scriptural verses that's just loaded with meaning. Because... If you think of do not be afraid, it's stated various ways in the scriptures, you know, do not be afraid, do not, you know, do not pull back, whatever it may be. But that phrase is loaded and used over 80 times in scripture from the very beginning when Abram, before he was even called Abraham, was told, do not be afraid and I'm going to send you to another land. And 
And you know, that had to be somewhat disturbing, but he's do not be afraid all the way through to the book of revelation. When John sees the angel and the angel comes to him and he falls down as though, as though he's dead. Right. And then he says, do not be afraid. I mean, that, those, that phrase, like I said, is almost a, a, a panoply, if you would, of salvation history for anybody. And so while we have all the obstacles you and I are talking about today, this is the way this letter ends, and it's a hopeful end. He's going to still outline some of the problems, but he still talks about the hope that is for everyone to remember, right? That's right. That's right. And the, the, this statement, do not be afraid, begs the question of afraid of what? Right. What are we afraid of? And I think that's a great question for us always to ask. What are we afraid of? Because what... In a very real way, what humans are afraid of is what drives our action, what drives our activity, right? If we're most focused on career, it's because we're afraid of not being successful. We're not, we're afraid of not having the credibility that we want or the attention that we want. If we're afraid of, you know, if we're focused on safety and, you know, being anxious about, you know, ever getting out and, and risking, you know, harm to ourselves, well, then, you know, clearly it, it, shows what what's most concerning to us and what we're really driven by. And God wants us to be afraid of him, right? To have fear of God. But not not fear in the sense of of danger, of harm, right? And so ultimately if you go back to to the garden of Eden, right? What Adam and Eve, why right. why did they act in that way? They were afraid of being manipulated. They were afraid of being left out, which implies a distrust that God is the truth and that God provides everything that we could possibly need. And there's no reason to, to doubt that. And so, and the very warning it don't, and that very warning that God gave to them was to guard. It's the same thing. It's, it's a loaded phrase, guard the garden. Well, right. guard it from what? Right. And then exactly. you quickly learn right after that what you're going to guard it from. Right. Right. Yeah. Guard it from your your own doubt. Guard it from from distrust that that he will will lead us in the right direction. And so Catholic education very much is built on that fundamental trust that God has us. God cares for us. What's most important will be taken care of. And we need to go out into the deep. And we need to do it with complete confidence in him. And if we get too focused on technical aspects of education, we lose sight of that. And that's, that's I think, one of the great warnings here. Right after, do not be afraid. He says, in fact, none of these difficulties is insurmountable. They are, as it were, the other side of the coin of that great and precious gift, which is our freedom with the responsibility that rightly goes with it. You know, I think of that, Patrick, as like a, a, a coin. On one side, you have freedom. And on the other uh, the other side of the coin is the responsibility that accompanies freedom to whom much is given, much is to be expected, right? The world preaches something different. The world preaches freedom without strings, right? You should be able to do whatever you want to do without any repercussions whatsoever, and what anybody who follows that that idea ends up miserable. That's right. Um, it's it, it, to me. It, this is where it, he goes on. He says, as opposed to what happens in the technical field or financial fields, where today's advances can be added to those of the past, no similar accumulation is possible 
in the area of people's formation and moral growth because the person's freedom is ever new. As a result, each person and each generation must make his own decision anew alone. Not even the greatest values of the past can be simply inherited. They must be claimed by us and renewed through an often anguishing personal option. Mm -hmm. Now, Patrick, when I think of Catholic education as a value that I hold, what he's saying is, if I don't lay claim to that value, it's not going to be here. Right? That's right. Mm -hmm. And so I have to not only lay... In other words, look, I mean, my parents send me to a Catholic school. And I went to a Catholic school and then and then I turn around and I send my kids to a Catholic school. But Patrick, as you mentioned in passing, the number of those schools is declining rapidly. The number of people in those schools is declining rapidly. So are we grasping that? Are we understanding that this value is something that we have to grab a hold of and we have to personally own? And I just don't know if people are doing that. No, and if if you take, say, like the John Dewey view of education, that it's all about forming citizens for the good of everybody else, for the good of the society. Well, you could also say, if what if someone chooses not to do that? What if someone chooses not to undertake their education, to embrace it, and chooses to not be a benefit to society? Well, that's one person who didn't contribute. The next will. Right. It's this it's it's a lack of concern for for the individual and for their individual growth. Whereas as Christians, we believe that the most important thing is every individual person's union with God, right? Our communion with God, our our life leads to that. And every single person who doesn't get that education, who doesn't get that formation, who isn't led in the direction of God, who, who loses their way, who doesn't develop the virtues that they need in order to, to come closer to God and to, to move in that direction, who doesn't develop the reason that they need to understand what they're encountering in the world and to see the beauty and the order and the things that God has, has asked us to see. If we don't cultivate that, you have lost something of vital importance, of great, great value in that one person. So yeah. every single person in our lives, it starts over and over and over again when every person is generated, as you said earlier, right? With every newly generated person has this journey to take. And we can't ever think of losing a single one of those people. You know, when I, when I hear this, Patrick, while we don't, we talk about that this is actually airing one week before I believe Catholic Schools Week is starting January 28th, I believe. So I think it's January 28th through February 3rd is Catholic Schools Week this week. But one of the things that as a, as a person who sat in the pew and listened to the idea of Catholic Schools Week is that they do a somewhat of a, a celebration by simply mentioning it. Hey, this is Catholic Schools Week. And to the average person in the pew, I don't think they put anything to that. I just think they might think, oh, well, okay, great. We're celebrating Catholic schools. Now, the Catholic school that's local, it may be a, a parochial school that has some kind of financial need. 
and they'll say, hey, we'd really like to, you know, redo the asphalt on the driveway. Would you guys give some money to that? And, and they'll maybe even do a second collection. That's it. To most of the people out in the pew, I don't think, Patrick, that they grasp the idea of what is happening in Catholic education. And when I say that, I don't want to be too much of an alarmist, but again, 54% less schools in my lifetime, 70% less students in my lifetime, 60,000 students every single year leave Catholic schools and don't return. And so when when Pope Benedict XVI said, as a result, each person and each generation must make his own decision anew alone, to me, man, that is powerful, powerful guidance from the Holy Father. Yes, and, and it, it highlights the importance for every one of us individually to get a Catholic education. And, and we'll, we'll raise that in, in conversations or in, you know, I'll be speaking to a group and I'll be talking about the great importance of Catholic education. And inevitably, the question will come up, well, you know, this is very unfair of you to put this on me. How am I supposed to afford a Catholic education? It's too expensive for me. I can't do that. Or, you know, you're asking me that I must get a Catholic education, but the school that's near me, the parish school is terrible. Why would I put my kid there? I'm going to put them in someplace different. We're, we're almost talking, we're talking about Catholic education at the same time, and yet it's, it's completely different senses of it. Because when we say that everyone needs a Catholic education, what we're talking about is that formation, that, that directing their life, that developing the virtues and the reason and the, you know, the ability to be able to come closer to God. That is on every single individual to obtain that. It is also on every set of parents, right? Mm. It's part of our baptismal promises to raise our kids in the faith. And that's simp that if you, if you want to raise someone in the faith, you don't simply teach them the rubric of the faith. You don't simply teach them the rules, the Ten Commandments. You don't simply teach them the, the history of our church. You don't simply read the Bible. You form them as Catholics, as Christians, as people to live this throughout their lives and ultimately to be able to live it on their own. And so, so I, I do, I, the one thing I would, I would actually, dare I even disagree with that statement, I understand what he's saying, but when he says you're alone, yeah. as a young person, your, your parents are accompanying you in every step of that, direct, that journey. And it's so very, very important that they help you do that so that you can go out into your into the world and do this on your own. Yeah. And as you said, though, Patrick, at the beginning, when you talked about the, the, the idea of parents not even being there, you know, I mean, if a young person, I always remember a young man, I was working at, at a university, Catholic university, and a young man who wasn't raised Catholic, who moved from Wisconsin down to Florida to go to an authentically Catholic college on his own. Mm -hmm. No, no parent, no grandparent, nobody involved. And he sought it out and, 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 you know, did it for himself. This kid was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I didn't, I could have never done that at 17. You know, yeah. I just wasn't mature enough for that. No, I wouldn't have been either. I, I, that's, that's exciting when we see that and we see God 
working through certain people and he certainly has a plan for them. And I think that's wonderful. But going back to the Catholic schools week, right? Just imagine we said, we're going to celebrate Catholic education week. Right. And every pastor in this country is going to focus at least that one week on the question about whether every person in their parish, young people, adults, elderly, is every person in that parish formed well-formed and on the path to sainthood are they are they moving toward full communion with god if that were the question of catholic education week what a different week we would have it would be so much more powerful to the person in the pew this is what i mean about i mean look I'm not going to state my age because I know Chris will start laughing and, and I, I rode up on a dinosaur, all those kind of fun things. But but I can tell you from sitting in the pew that you hear the idea of Catholic Schools Week and people yawn, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Catholic Schools. Yeah. Oh, are you going to give a look? Yeah, I'll give an extra five bucks here to the Catholic School Fund or whatever, right? And then that's it. And we go and, and we don't know the idea that that we are having this crisis, this educational emergency that Pope Benedict VI is, is is speaking about. That I think that's where there's this separation. That's why I think this document is so important for every lay person. I don't care who you are. Passing along Catholic education is every single person's responsibility. And no one gets to dodge that. That's right. That's excellent. That's exactly what Pope Benedict is saying here. Yep. Okay. When the foundations are shaken, however, letter starts to take a turn here. And essential certainties are lacking. The impelling need for those values once again makes itself felt. Thus today, the request for an education which is truly such is in fact increasing. Now, Patrick, on the surface... The, the, the negative person out there says, what? Increasing? Well, I mean, I just shared with you the stats. 54% less schools, 70% less kids, right? 60,000 students leaving Catholic school every single year. How is it increasing? Well, I, I, I would certainly argue from our experience here at the Cardinal Newman Society, we hear all the time, right, from families, from educators, from business leaders, from bishops, from priests who are so desperately concerned about the direction that our culture is going, about the direction our education is going, about the formation particularly of young people. And it's true, right, that the, the light shines brightest in the darkness. And we are certainly in, in a dark period relative to you know, 50 years ago in terms of the church. But on the other hand, I think we have people who are really understanding even better the role of the parents, the role of the family, the role of the church in helping young people to attain what is really important in part because of that crisis. So the, the, this educational emergency is causing people to step up and come to the rescue. So, and that's exactly what follows on this. He says, it, uh, you know, this for an education, which is truly such is in fact increasing parents. This is probably to me, the highlight of, of the letter. Parents, anxious and often anguished about the future of their children, are asking for it. A great many teachers going through the sorrowful experience of their schools deteriorating are asking for it. Society overall, seeing doubts cast on the very foundations of coexistence, 
is asking for it. Children and young people themselves who do not want to be left to face life's challenges on their own are also asking for it in their inmost being. Now, this to me is is the pinnacle of the letter because he's outlining that in this time where there's a lot of uncertainty, there can be a lot of negativity. There, you can look at the culture and say it's winning. I, I, I kid that uh, there was a song in the 80s by John Cougar Mellencamp. I'm sure Chris has no idea who that person is. I fight authority. Authority always wins. I know it. <laughs> I fight. I fight the culture and the culture always wins. Right. Wow. I mean, that's why we have parents and grandparents who just mourn that their children don't go to the Catholic Church anymore. They don't embrace their faith because the culture does always win. But here's what Pope Benedict is saying is parents are anguished about the future. Their children are asking for what? An education that is truly such. Teachers who are going through the sorrowful experience of their schools deteriorating are asking for it. Society is asking for it. And what's interesting, again, when they see doubts cast on the very foundation of coexistence, Patrick, that was written 16 years ago. It couldn't be more fitting for the day. And you look in the finally is asking for children and young people themselves who do not want to be left to face life challenges on their own are also asking for it in their inmost being. So that to me is, is again, that is the plea. While most people say faithful Catholic education is something that is going away, here's Pope Benedict saying the world is asking for it. We, the Catholic lay, the Catholic, the Catholic clergy have to deliver it because society is demanding it. They just don't even know it sometimes. That's right. Let me go on. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, moreover, have a further and stronger reason for not being afraid. They know, in fact, that God does not abandon us, that his love reaches us wherever we are and just as we are in our wretchedness and weakness in order to offer us a new possibility of good. I think that that line is so important following the other one, because again, Knowing our mission, understanding the mission of Catholic education. The mission of Catholic education means walking with Christ, Christ the perfect teacher. Not not the well-trained masters in education perfect teacher, Christ the perfect teacher. And St. John Henry Newman wrote a, delivered a wonderful sermon, one of his most famous, called The Second Spring. And in a second spring, he talks about the revitalization of the church in England. And he's, he's speaking at a, at a seminary, the first seminary to open in England in almost more than 300 years since Henry VIII had suppressed the church in England. And he says, none of this, as much as we've had martyrs, we've done everything we can to try to bring the faith to England, none of that can account for the miracle that is happening now. It's a miracle. It's a miracle we have to attribute to God. And humans humans don't have these cycles that nature has. We don't just simply die and, and things come back. Everything we do tends to dissolution, he says. Everything tends to fall apart. And so, you know, we have to do our part. We have to do in our time what we can to provide education to young people. But the key to human life is bringing them to God. And the key to education is to doing it 
with God, with the church, with these understandings of, of truth and, and knowledge that are brought to us by revelation and starting with that and bringing that into all of our explorations of the world and everything that we, we try to reason. And so having that humility of understanding that God is in charge, but more than that, that the very basis, the foundation of what we're trying to teach young people is found in God, not in ourselves, and that education is not ultimately about our technical expertise. It's about our our deliberate efforts to bring ourselves and to bring young people or to bring adults, if it's adult education, to bringing Catholics closer to the God where, where that's where truth is to be found. And I just think we've, we've, you know, we've so lost our way. And so that, that's very, very important. He says, you know, everybody's asking for it. Everybody wants it. What's the solution? The solution is found in Jesus Christ. The solution is found in the church and the solution is found in uniting with Christ. And if we do that, we're, we're already fundamentally on the way to providing excellent education. Excellent. I want to thank you again for following us and subscribing to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast. We are going to come back with our second episode, Conversation with Patrick Riley, the founder and president of the Cardinal Newman Society, and discuss specifics about Pope Benedict XVI's educational emergency. If you'd like to learn more about how you can help promote and defend faithful Catholic education, go to cardinalnewmansociety.org. Also, if you're interested in promoting and defending faithful Catholic education wherever it is found, subscribe to the Cardinal Newman Society podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Mm -hmm.